Blog Talk Radio. It's Monday night, and that means a new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. This is the show that ponders which superhero will save the internet. As always, I am joined with <laughs> a delayed laugh. Thank you for the pity laugh. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I think that one was maybe too subtle and like a difficult one, but who knows? Maybe people will get it. Hopefully people will get it. Um, so as always, I'm, I'm joined by Alana. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Excited for today's show. I actually have one quick thing I want to brag about. Um, uh, my brother, um, did sounds for the X-Men movie premiere just the other day. And he's giving me a signed, a signed poster of Hugh Jackman. And he got his uh, backstage pass signed by Hugh Jackman as well. That's really, really cool. And he has a whole call list of like all the different like cues or whatever that he had to do for the show. So, huh? That's what? Well, well, like, what sound would you have to do for a premiere? And uh, the show I think in general. It's people were speaking. I think it's just people were speaking, and they were like doing it, like saying stuff before and after it or something. Hmm. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I'm bummed. I mean, you sent uh, not to go too far off a tangent, but uh, you sent me this awesome event that's coming that's going on here in DC. Um, and one of it involves a premiere of, or a showing of uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, like a week beforehand, I think it's the weekend beforehand, and then Patrick Stewart speaking afterwards, but holy crap, are uh, tickets expensive. Um, yeah, a little bumped on that one. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate because the event sounded really awesome. Oh, the whole, like, weekend's amazing. Um, so for anyone that has, you know, like, Two hundred fifty, three hundred something dollars uh, sitting around there in the DC area. It's everything from like George Takei speaking, Patrick Stewart, um, just a who's who of of sci-fi and scientists, and it's just a really cool event done by the Smithsonian, I think. Um, overall, just it's neat. I'm a little bummed because the Nerd Night people do really wonderful talks around the country in different. Um cities, people could do lectures about different topics. Yeah, I actually actually just did one on the making of the video game Doom! (laughs) Uh, I actually didn't know that this was a thing that was going around. I thought this was just like a cool special weekend um, event being put on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're partnering with Nerd Night. Um, So folks have a Nerd Night in their area, you should definitely check it out. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at that further because I was totally unaware. I just, you know, I forgot where I saw it. I saw it somewhere, posted somewhere at some, like, event thing and got all excited and then was quickly deflated <laughs> when I saw the prices. <sighs> Though we're but speaking of it, prices, oh, yes. we have some free things to talk about today. Awesome, awesome way to, to go into the, the first topic. Yes. Uh, so, the first uh, Saturday of... Every May is Free Comic Book Day. Uh, this is Christmas, New Year's, July 4th, uh, Hanukkah, every holiday you think of rolled up into one for uh, comic nerddom. Um, this year saw 60 different comics being released by a myriad of publishers, a big, small, uh, and it's on to stores as to what they get. 
but usually it is generally thought of as like the biggest selling day for comic book stores. So uh, it's a huge deal. Um, uh, stores have their Black Friday when they make a profit and, and go from the red to black. I'm going to go with free comic book day is like the closest thing we got to that. Um, it's, uh-huh. it's huge. It's put on by uh, Diamond Comics started it in 2001, I think, 2001, 2002. Um, it's been going on ever since. Really, really cool. Tons of events. Um, did you get a chance to go anything? I think you were in D.C. that weekend. No, I, yeah, I missed it. I was spending time with my family. Oh, my God. Isn't that so awkward? Uh, <laughs> so I didn't get to do any free comic book day activities for the first time, which made me really sad. What was the I mean, Last year, I actually went to free comic book day on my way to my nephew-in-law's, like, Goyasha thing at the church. Like, uh, 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 the thing for the Catholics. So, confirmation. So, confirmation. Okay. you know, if I, I, could work, I, I could work it into a busy day last year, but this year it was not, it was not to be. So and what was the vibe like at the stores? So, uh, I went and decided to spend the day driving around D.C. like a maniac um, and went to a total of six different shops. Uh, and starting in D.C. and then going way the hell out in Virginia. Uh, it was really good. From uh, One, I started at Big Planet Comics, which is on U Street. Fantastic shop if anyone is in the D.C. area. Um, Big Planet's awesome on Free Comic Book Day because they're guaranteed to have everything and then some. Um, they actually had some like local comics that weren't national, but uh, I think unique to their stores. So that's really cool. And then the great thing with Big Planet is like when you walk up to their shop, because the store isn't huge, um, they do it really, really well, but there's not enough room to really have everyone. The line is like out the door, and people were lined up for at least a half an hour. I remember last year there were people out there for an hour waiting. Um, and it took like a half an hour to get in and get the books. And I was probably wow. 40th in line, 50th in line at that point. And they still had more than enough books for for me to grab one of everything, um, which was awesome. And um, just it's, it's a fantastic store. So, yeah, I went from there to one called Victory Comics, which the line was ludicrous of people buying stuff. Like, I actually felt bad that I wasn't able to. My goal was to buy something at every store I went to. Um, and we'll talk about that in about two seconds. Uh, but the line was so long at Victory, like, I, I just couldn't wait. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm waiting for this line. Um, they had tons of sales, and it was great for them to do business. Um, they had like a table full of local artists. Um, no one, I think, huge that I can think of, or no one stuck out at me. Um, but by the time I got there, which was probably one something, like their selection of cop books was just picked through, and there was hardly anything left. Um, and then from there, I went to another Big Planet shop, and uh, they actually had two of the creators from Lumberjanes there, uh, which oh, was really? awesome. Yeah, so I got to go get a uh, uh, copy autographed by them, which was really cool. Um, something I was psyched to do, and I needed to do, wanted to do. And then another shop I went to, which was Game On, uh, which is actually not that far from the second big planet. And then finally, I wound up at a place called Laughing Ogre, which is a pretty known shop, uh, where the uh, Lumberjanes people had gone to a second signing. So I got to see him twice. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but, cool. Were there, were there a lot of kids in line for the book or more adults? Yeah. 
yeah, so that that's the the great thing was one with free comic book day. It's like adults, kids, um, everything you can imagine, men, women. I mean, to say if you want to see diversity in comic books, like go to free comic book day. Um, you can see it's not just a bunch of twenty something guys, uh, white guys reading this, like, it's uh-huh. a family thing. So that's awesome to see. Uh, with the Lumberjanes especially, like, everyone that went up to them, one, was super psyched about it, but two, super diverse. Um, it was clear that the book is hitting the right notes with tons of people, so it was cool to see. It was. It's always fun to watch who, like, reacts and how they react for uh, for signings, but... Everyone seemed excited, and then I was, when I was waiting at Laughing Ogre, I was kind of watching them, um, and they had a st- steady stream of folks getting autographs and talking to them, and it was it was a mix, men, women, uh, black, white, everything. So it was, uh, mm. it was cool. It was very good to see. That's great. Uh, Actually, we definitely have Lumberjanes as one of my topics I want to make sure I talk on, at least briefly before the show's over. Do, do we want to just do that real quick? Sure, yeah. Uh, so Lumberjanes, the, we'll, we'll describe the series first. Um, so Lumberjanes is uh, a mix of Buffy, Scooby-Doo, uh, with a bunch of kick-ass uh, girls. Gravity Falls. See, I don't know Gravity Falls, so I, I can't go with that one. Um, <laughs> with a bunch of uh, kick-ass girls who are at a summer camp um, doing some sort of mystery. The only first issue is out, second issue hits this week. Um, so we'll get a little bit more as to what's going on, but I loved it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, that's my take. Yeah, I like the second issue. Um, definitely super action-packed and fun. Uh, I remembered the significance of the three-eyed animals. I'm sure that it's all leading somewhere, and I think that the big reveal at the end of the, ep- of the issue is going to set up for the next one really strong. I do think in terms of, like, you know, really figuring out what's the story, what's the mystery of this uh, first story arc. Um, I thought there was really cute interaction between the girls this week. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of, as they would say on the tumblers, shipping coming out of this uh, (laughs) issue, which, of course, is interesting because you're sort of, like, looking at these they're kids, but, like, they're right at the age. I think maybe they're older than I think they are. But they're, like, they're right in the age where that stuff starts to happen. Like, they're, you know, they're, like, they're preteens, I think. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's sort of romantic entanglements, perhaps, starting. And I think it's interesting to see, a, it's going to be interesting to see a, a, an all-ages comic uh, have that in between members of a female cast. Um, and I'm, you know, presume that the cast is going to have a variety of sexual orientations, and it already does have a variety of, uh, gender presentations among the girls and the crew. So I'm excited and seeing more stuff for kids that has LGBTQ kids in it. Yeah, you know? it, it strikes me that Lumberjanes can fill that gap that's been left for Young Avengers when it comes to that sort of thing. Mm. Well, I think this can be read by younger people than Young Avengers, though, is the thing. I mean, maybe Young Avengers is like, I don't think it's like kids' kids, really. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, Lumberjanes, see that... There's something I really liked about the kids, kids. Yeah, and but the thing is, it also works for adults as well. Like, there's more to it. Oh yeah. Um, Totally. Which is great. Like, I think it's a a prime example of those series, kind of like Adventure Time or Bravest Warriors, where it works on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so yeah, I haven't had a chance to, to read the second issue. It's like top of my list, and I probably will tear through it tomorrow um, at some point. But I mean, it's it's a it's so good. I like I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, I'm waiting I'm for excited the, to hear they had so many events. Yeah, I can't wait for the cosplay. I fully expect this is going to be like the big mm-hmm. cosplay thing um, as conventions go throughout the year. So I'm going to be looking for for photos and. Uh, and uh, nods to that. Looking for like, photos I think... and, and watching out for dangerous scrunchies. <laughs> that could be used as slingshots. It'll be it'll be good. Like I, uh, Boom did great with this one. Um, Boom, I I need to get you to read um, the Midas Flesh too. Speaking of a Boom series, mm-hmm. uh, so Boom's got this imprint um, called. Um, called uh, Boombox, and Lumberjanes is the second series for Boombox, and it's um, it's kind of like their experimental print imprint. Like I don't even know how to describe exactly its goal is. It's not. Uh, it doesn't quite fit under Kaboom. It doesn't quite fit under Boom. Um, it's a lot of the creators that have worked on Kaboom stuff. So a lot of folks who have worked on Adventure Time and spinning off mm-hmm. of that. Um, just a, uh, it's a, it's a cool, it's a great imprint. I mean, my flesh is fantastic. I don't think they've announced a third one, but, uh, if, you know, these two launching as your title, like your initial launch titles is, I don't think you, uh, you could have asked for anything more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were the other big finds you had for free comic book day this, um, this month, this year, I should say? If only it was every month of this year. <laughs> Uh, for like, what are the good books? Yeah, what were the uh, freebies that you that you think are really promising? Um, so that was interesting. So I read. So Marvel put out something for Guardians of the Galaxy. Not a shock with movies coming out. Um, they actually had two books. There's a Rocket Raccoon one, which was more kids related, and then one for the main Guardians book. And and the Guardians one, it was okay. It didn't blew me away, but was interesting was for those who are reading the series, I think the latest issue that came out, suddenly uh, Venom is part of the Guardians. And it's never quite explained in the comic like how he got there. He's just there. And in the free comic book day is the story of how he got recruited to become part of this team. So it winds up being like a fairly vital, important issue because otherwise there's like this, this gap in the storytelling and you have no idea like what the hell is going on as far as how this character got with them. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it. Uh, I, I, I don't... It wasn't a great issue, but it was worthy to check out and see... Um, it, like, you almost had to do it to figure out what was going on with Guardians, basically. Um... So I I don't know if that was good or bad. Like it wasn't enough to get me interested. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, like, but it was one where like if you're reading the series, you need to read this free comic book day. But if you're free comic book day, there's nothing would get me to want to read the series. And the even like the tone, everything was just totally. It was different. Um, it was a bit more all ages. Did it seem like boring or? Yeah, it was like Tony Stark talking to Agent Venom and um, 
being like, hey, I want to recruit you to join the Guardians. And they're going back and forth, and that was fine. And then, like, suddenly, you know, the guard, and it kind of goes through, like, who the Guardians of the Galaxy are, and it's a lot of jokes, which was great, because that kind of fits the Guardians of the Galaxy. But there was no action. It was them just, like, talking. So I'm a little baffled as to, like, so, you know, like, when Brian Bendis writes, he's got those scenes where it's usually, like, um, someone being interviewed by a camera. He does that a lot. Huh. He was doing that a lot. It was his big thing, like back in the day, with when when he was writing Avengers, and um, it was a thing that he was doing with Guardians and some other. And I think Dan Abnett and Andy Landing were doing it with Guardians for a bit. Um, it reminded me a lot of that. It just wasn't. It there wasn't anything special. Um, so that was the two Marvel ones. DC had Future's End, which is their big next big event that's going to be kicking off it's a weekly series that's going to go through april um and yes i said weekly so that's four issues at least four issues a month um of this regular comic uh and to say it is basically the age of ultron done with dc is kind of an understatement um Basically, you could just take Age of Ultron, replace it with a few DC characters, and you would have had Future's End at this point. Boring. Who's the big bad robot? I have no idea. Like, I don't know DC characters enough to be like, oh, I know exactly who this is. But basically, so Age of Ultron and uh, Future's End, both are in the future. Both have had a robot taking over, taken over. Heroes have been subjugated. Some have been turned into robots. There's a small band of heroes who are the resistance trying to overthrow a robot. Both stories have that mm. element. Both wow. stories. Oh, wait. Probably, it maybe it's a Mazo or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I'm, I'm not reading DC anymore, so. Yeah, well, you here, know, you get better on, on that one is um, Hero from the Future is sent in the past to change the past and prevent the future. Happened in Age of Ultron. Happening in, in Future's End. Terminator. Terminator Futurama. as well. Yes. Yeah. Is it also Futurama? Uh, they might have it's done okay. that. Look, I, I don't complain about stories being shared or whatever. It's just they're full of ridiculousness. Um, oh, and I have some more thoughts on DC from when we get to start talking about new TV shows. But let's bookmark that. Okay. Um, any any final thoughts on Free Comic Book Day? Yeah, I mean, it's, so always it's a great thing. Um, there was a great blog post at Comics Tribe where the publisher of that um, of that company, uh, Tyler James, runs through what it means for small publishers, um, stores itself. So, you know, yeah, there's books by Marvel. Yes, there's books by DC. But it's really about those small publishers and giving individuals a chance to check out the comics and maybe find something new. Um, and keep in mind that though it, the word free is in there, the books aren't actually free. They cost like 20 to 30 cents a piece. Um, and Tyler breaks it down to if a person was to grab all every single issue, so all 60 issues, they would have cost the store somewhere around $20. So even though you're grabbing free books, buy something at stores. If you didn't, I'm going to guilt trip you to go back and, and purchase something at the stores to make up for it. Um, yeah. But overall, absolutely. it's, it's a you great thing. What day. I do as a comic book day is I just get a, I get a lot of, pick up a lot of the children's comics and I give them to my various nieces and nephews and stuff, you know? Yep. 
and and that's great as well. Um, there was a lot of interesting things like um, Comic Book Legal Defense Fund had a comic about getting kids to read, which was cool. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but to see that was was nice. Um, and there was tons of stuff for kids. Um, the Archaea book, especially Archaea, which is a, another imprint of Boom. Um, as the second year, they've done a, a hardcover, and the hardcover is it was just beautiful to look at. It's great stories, um, top-notch stuff all around. I, I think that was the book of the uh, the year, but that's not much of a shock. Mm. Nice, nice. So yeah, uh, so on to comics. Yeah, I, I I can't stop talking and thinking about and rereading Electra One. Um, yeah. So, I have thoughts about it. I'm totally been excited by a new comic in a while. I'm just like, ah, that was a good scream. <laughs> so, what was it that you you really really enjoyed? So, Electra, for folks who don't know, is um, I think there's one more comic to come, but it is another female-led uh, series by Marvel as part of their all-new yeah, Marvel now. Yeah, Storm's the I think the final one. Who well, we said was the character most in need of her own miniseries, so I'm her own solo oh. series. So I'm very glad that Marvel is listening to our podcast. <laughs> we made that happen. I'm good. I'm going to put down the stick oh, yeah. right now. We are That's the right. We're taking credit for it. Yeah, I'm writing it right now. Okay, sorry. But back back to Electra. Yeah, so it's uh, starring the um, uh, famous character who was always kind of second fiddle for uh, Daredevil, died, uh, had her own horrible movie. Um, we could go on and on. But she's got a solo series, um, and the first issue was out last two weeks ago? Two weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you loved it. Oh, yeah. Um, she's, you know, Electra is an assassin. She's not really a hero. She just dates one on TV, and that's not true. She just has a long-standing romantic relationship with, with one. Um, she's an assassin. She's a bad guy, um, and she's a very interesting character. And uh, she was never a character I was particularly interested in. Um, I, I picked this comic up as part of the wave of being new female-led titles and just being curious about it. Um, and between the art and the story, I am just so impressed. Um, the comic is creepy and dark and interesting. The art is absolutely wonderful. And, you know, this is a title that has had a tradition of having good art. Bill Senkowitz, of course, did, like, the original art back in the 80s, and he's an amazing painter, and he actually did a special promotional piece for this book. But just looking at the actual comic itself and looking at the amazing splash pages in it and how it uses movement and composition in these splash pages to tell these stories and draw parallels between these characters that have very, very different lives, um, it's really showing the comics art form, you know, it's really using the medium. Yeah. I mean, so that was the thing that stood out to me. I thought the story was, it was good. It didn't quite blow me away like it did you, but the thing that really stood out was the art. Like I, the art reminded me very much of, um, J.H. Williams work on Batwoman where it was as much about the flow of the character on multiple pages as it was the words on the page. Um, and sometimes the flow of the character and the art told even more of the story than the words did. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I'm fine with, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's, that's fine with, 
fine with me. Uh, I, you know, I didn't feel like there was any, I didn't feel like I was getting cheated on dialogue or anything like that. And there's some of the, you know, dialogue for like the new characters that created, like Matchmaker, who's an interesting character concept. She's basically a matchmaker between assassins and clients. How did yeah. nobody else steal that name first? I mean, Calculator already exists, but Calculator is a little bit different. The notion of it as a matchmaker, I think, is very creative and, and surprising when they done it first. But anyway, you know, she speaks in a very 1920s slang and dresses that way, and it's a cute little character touch. But um, so, you know, the dialogue that's in there, I think, is good. But, what, but in addition to the amazing art, I think that the, whole, the character, they, they, they really do a great job of giving you the background of the character, both her narrative and her personality in the mm-hmm. first few pages of the comic. Like, it really is a comic you could just hand to somebody who has no idea who the fuck Electra is, and they, that's all they need. So, and Electra is a character with a major complex history, too. So to be able to summarize it all in two splash pages in which at no point in time do you feel like you're sitting around through exposition or violence position, because it's not sex position in this case, um, that's quite an achievement. So with that, with that amazing stuff done, you then jump right into the story. Um, I love Electra just standing there with blood splashed on her and just not really caring. And uh, I think that's a good character note. Uh, but one of the things that I felt to be so ter- so good about the comic is the use of color. They mm-hmm. use this sort of glowing aqua teal color. Um, in a number of different places, they use it in the graphic screen, in the um, digital screens that are like a hologram coming out of the book that Electra gets um, with a dossier of the uh, assassin who she's supposed to who she's supposed to bring in, and then it's echoed in the introduction of what is definitely the most terrifying new character I've seen in a comic book in a really long time. Um, who's going to be the new bad guy uh, created for the electric comic, the new antagonist for the electric comic. Um, and to see this color, which is an unusual color, and also ironically the same color I painted my nails the morning before I picked up this comic, <laughs> which means that I'm psychic. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a strange color, and they, they're using it very intentionally throughout the book. They use it to really show something that's sort of like unearthly, um, but the introduction of this new character, uh, I, I feel like, do I even want to give away? Like, he's, he's, I don't know what his real name is, but he says you can call, that they call him Bloody Lips. The snake calls him Bloody Lips. Is like, the, sorry, the serpent calls me Bloody Lips. Is terrifying. The character design on him. Like, you have someone who's not, he's not wearing, he doesn't look like he's wearing any body armor. He's basically naked and wearing a lion's head has some sort of weird semi-organic, semi-technical-looking weapon. He destroys all these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, um, and it'd be hard to look at that and say, like, that's preposterous, but the way it's drawn really does a great job of it. And he is so terrifying. Um, it's the first page where you see him coming out of the water, do you ever look at those optical illusions where you like supposed to see landscapes and it looks like a skull and... Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, you know, so I thought it was going to be one of those optical illusions of a skull, and then I turned into the next page, and I'm like, nope, that's his face. Um, <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be like an illusion of like what the inside of an undersea cave was supposed to look like, 
but that's actually his face, and that's him coming out of the water. And his design with his face, with the glowing, nondescript eyes, the weird, eerie, glowing smile, and the triangle paint of the nose is very terrifying. Now, this is the second triangle-shaped nose thing we have in the comic, actually, because in Cape Crow helmet, you have a similar shape done. It is a scary shape because it evokes a skull. Um, or perhaps a rotting appendage. It's hard to say. But, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, is it paint? Is he wearing a mask? Is that what his face looks like? Who the hell knows? I can't wait to find out, but I don't blame the comic for not revealing it. There's a close-up shot where he's dialing some numbers in to access code, and you can almost see what his face outline is, and it's completely impressionistic. It is not actually trying to show you in any detail like exactly where these features are, how they align, how anything connects. It just makes them all the more inhuman and creepy. I, I just think it's amazing. It's an amazing character design and a great character concept and really terrifying. And it takes a lot to make you feel bad for Bullseye, but uh, they might have successfully made me have a moment of on Bullseye's behalf at the end of this comic. So, What did you think the, about the character design? Yeah. Yeah, so as, as a whole, like, I, I love the look of the story, uh, of the, the comic, the design, the look, everything, like you summed up. It's breathtaking. It's, it's amazing to look at, and for that alone, it's worth the purchase. Uh, the story itself, I thought was it was good, and there was moments I really, really liked. Um, I think the the flow of it was a little off for me at times. Like there was moments where it almost felt um, felt like a a poem, and like with her thoughts, and then it would kind of go into a narrative. Um, and I thought the flow was a little off for me, hmm. but but the way the art was going, like the flow made sense. If that goes like the, the, the Yeah, yeah. Um the, so the one thing that actually really hit me after finishing it though is you've also got Black Widow who has her own series. And mm-hmm. I thought the stories like the characters, the way they were setting them up were very similar. Um where they're both kind of doing these missions and trying to make a living doing or whatever. Um which is kind of a very basic thing for both comics. Um, I thought, if anything, like, Elektra kind of diminished Black Widow a little bit. Um, what? But a little. Like, Black Widow, I thought, was is still good. Black Widow's a hero. Elektra's not a hero. She's, like, forms, she's the hero of the story and the narrative. Sense, but <laughs> Elektra, Elektra is, is not a good guy. No, she's yeah. She's not the worst guy. She doesn't go around, like, killing children and doing war crimes or anything. But she's not a good guy. And Black Widow is. Yeah, but even Black Widow, like, she's doing missions for for dollars, and there are comments of, like, she's in that gray area of doing stuff. I mean, she's definitely a hero overall, but I'm just saying, like, series-wise, like, Elektra, yeah. the way it looked and the story and all that, like, the two series were very similar to me as far as story. Um, obviously, they're going to deviate after the first issue, but just kind of, like, the premise, um, I thought they were kind of, like the same coin in a way. Like, they were both taking missions, doing uh, doing hits, um, kicking ass. Like, it was just a little bit too similar. Um, they're both good. Um, and I think they're good for different reasons, but I think that was, and like, my... some of the best artists around working on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, again, we look 
about that before. Is the the art and what Marvel's doing with Mar- all new Marvel now is awesome, where they're just lifting the chains and letting artists go do their thing, um, no matter what the style is, because the, the styles are just are varying so much. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually behind on Black Widow because I missed this one issue and I can never get it back and I cannot get the Marvel comic stuff to work, so I cannot even give them my money to let me read the series. It's a bit of a problem. Um, so I, I'm not comparing it to Black Widow as much as you are um, because yeah. I've read less of Black Widow. But, uh, you know, I just, I mean, what do you, what, what do you think of Bloody Lips and what do, you think, what do you think of this character? Um, I think it was cool. Like the overall, like I liked it. Like it, it, I don't think it jumped out quite as much for me as it did you. But I, I, I think also you go for a lot more design, whereas I think focus on more yeah. of the story. So it probably That's just didn't hit me quite is is the same as you. But if nothing else, like it's a cool um, intro and it's a new character. I don't think the character's been around before, yeah. as far as I know. Brand new. I, I I googled right away to see <laughs> if anybody was writing anything about him. No, and, and actually, the writer said that he really wanted to create a new cast of characters, supporting cast for Electra to give her her own supporting cast, which she's never had before. So this this was definitely invented for her. But do you have a theory? Do you think that's his face? Is that face paint, or is he like supernatural? Um, how was it? How was it? I assumed it was face paint. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why, but like, eh, this is a good point. Um, I think when I saw it, I just assumed it was face paint, but that you're pointing out that it's the eyeball, maybe not. Hmm. Right? It's so groovy. Um, you know, this this definitely is just one of the eeriest and creepiest comics I've seen in a very long time. There's there's no everyone's mean and brutal. You know, the way the character gets his powers is really terrifying. Um, I want to know what the hell happens to Bullseye. So, yeah, I, I cannot endorse this comic more highly. It is the most... Do not read it right before bed if you're a scaredy cat. Because <laughs> um, it is really, really scary. But uh, definitely pick this book up. I, I am so excited about it. And not just if you're a big art geek, I promise you. If you like scary, scary stuff, it's should be on your list. And if you like female protagonists, it should be on your list. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a whole, I I think you and I could agree on that. Um, pretty much it's a pick up any of the female lead um, all new Marvel Now books. Yeah. You, you can't go they're wrong they're with all any great. Yeah. The female lead ones. The other ones we can have debates on, but just the female lead ones have all been pretty solid. Yeah. But speak, speaking of those books, um, we've, we've also got uh, Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel. Like, w- Which other ones would you like to hit up and discuss? Oh, any of those are good. All right, so let's go with Captain Marvel because I thought that was an interesting one. Um, we are on the second issue, I think, is out. Um, third comes out this week. It is. It takes um, Captain Marvel... Uh, Carol Danvers throws her into space uh, on these all-new adventures. Um, the f- second issue, came, it feels like it's been a long time since it came out. Um, overall, like, what's your vibe of the series and the direction 
uh, where it's gone, especially since compared to the last volume. It's very different. It's very, it's more space opera tinged. Um, I think it was a good idea for them to to put her out there and to, you know, change up where she's operating. It's not quite as interesting to me, but I think it's it's a good diversity of story, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it it's it cha- definitely changes things up. Um, I that was the thing with the, the previous volume. I think a lot of what sold it for me was the uh, the interaction she had with her friends, um, especially. And now that she's in a whole new situation, that's not there. So it's definitely throwing me off a little. But I think it also opens up so much because out of all the Avengers, at least a lot of them, she op- she's such a fit for a uh, cosmic adventure, considering she's like half Kree, sort of, where she gained her powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it just it fits, it fits really well. And having her team up with the Guardians of the Galaxy as the other uh, Avengers joining the team makes sense as well. Um, where I think she would fit with that crew uh, quite well. Um, it's different. It's very, very different than what's come out before. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and I'm, I'm going to keep going with it, even though I'm not, I don't like it as much, because I'm, I, I want to support Carol, and I'm interested, and, in, you know, I think that the vast majority of everything Kelly does is amazing. So. Yes. Um, and, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it assumes a certain amount of knowledge about Rocky Raccoon, but it's all a lot of crossover stuff, and apparently, I, this comic, her comic proves this is why you don't take your cat into space. <laughs> yes. They, I mean, think so, about what happens in the Red Dwarf, right? They could mutate into the future and to be humanoid cats. Like the Red Dwarf is in the series, the TV yeah, show? Yeah, the TV show. Yeah. I never watched Red that's, Dwarf. I know. I mean, I know of it. That's happen to you if you bring your cat to space. <laughs> that's why there's no bring your cat to space week. So the, the one thing I have noticed in, is they play. They're playing off the whole Rocket Raccoon is not a raccoon way more mm-hmm. within the last year than they have in like previous years. It was always just it was Rocket Raccoon. He's not raccoon. a raccoon. He's not. If you say raccoon, he gets pissed. Is he not a raccoon? I mean, he looks like a raccoon. Hmm. <laughs> he's he's some alien uh, science experiment that looks like a raccoon, but he's not a raccoon. Oh, okay. Um, right. But yeah, like the whole thing with the cat running around and all that—it was hilarious. It's really, really funny. I thought it was entertaining. Um, it, it'll be interesting if they can bring that humor and that entertainment and action throughout the series. I'll, I'll be happy. Um, it's something different, which is nice. It's expanding the Marvel Universe and actually going out there and taking advantage of the galactic version and, and ex- giving us different stories or different locations, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the other Marvel, Ms. Marvel, which is up to... I want to see three issues. It might be up to four. Definitely three. Um, three, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure three. I don't think there was been a fourth yet. Uh, 
I love the series. Like it, again, three issues in, and I don't think it's missed a beat for me. Um, out of all of them, out of a, a lot of what's being done, to like to me, um, Kamala, the the main character who gains her powers because she's partially inhuman. Um, like she feels like a kid, and how a kid would react, and like what you would go with it, do with these powers, and some of the stuff you have to deal with. It, you know, it reminds me of um, old school Spider Man when mm. he was just gaining his powers and learning and dealing with the idiocy and issues that come up with being a superhero. Um, except you have a main character who's a Muslim teenage girl from Jersey. Yeah. Which really would be like the modern Peter Parker, right? Like that is what the new Peter Parker would be. Oh, absolutely. Like I don't, so in that area of Jersey is like, is that a, big Muslim population? I have no idea. Yeah, it's very diverse in general. Like, I don't know okay. if I would say, like, oh, there's more this or that, but it's very diverse in general. Well, that was part of, so that was a big part of, like, why they made Miles Morales the ultimate Spider-Man was Brian Bendis made a very intelligent point that if that was today, like, it's a very diverse area. It, there's a good chance that the, you know, the person who would be Spider-Man would look like Miles. Um, so I've, I've don't know Jersey enough uh-huh. to know if that kind of fits with Kamala, but yeah, yeah, it's, New Jersey, uh, especially that city, is incredibly diverse. It, yeah, and and what's nice is it, she's Muslim, and her but her family is diverse. We talked about the first time we talked about the first yeah. issue is that it's representing all all of it and really showing that it's not the stereotypical typical one size fits all religion and that there is mm-hmm. a wide belief system. It's it's just it's nice. It's so refreshing. I I yeah. can't praise that series yeah. enough. Yeah. The cliffhanger at the end of this episode, I'm I'm like ish episode issue has definitely got me a bit on edge. I'm I I'm sure she's not, you know, dead, but I'm curious to see what will happen next. So Yeah, I think I think that thing will be how they handle her really getting to real, like, superhero-dom if she does. Um, mm. You know, eventually Spider-Man sure. fought Rhino and Scorpion and all of the characters. Like, who is she going to take on? I've, I'm kind of wondering that part. Well, she's going to um, take the adventure, right? They're really setting up, you know, the adventure. Yeah, something. Like, I... It, it, honestly, I have no idea where they're going to go. Like, they can keep the series focused on her and her family and her in school and all that. And I think the series would still be fantastic. Um, like, if yeah, they never, that's true. They, if they just keep it um, the micro and never ever fight like costume villains, I think it would still be fun mm-hmm. and I would and call great. It, and it actually might. Me, are you there, goddess? Me superpowers. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it would uh, remind me of. I mean, it's just a solid, um, solid, solid series. Like, I can't praise it enough. To me right now, it is easily a contender of the best new series of 2014. Mm. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. And the art is also really quirky and fun and, and well executed. And teams yeah. look like teens, which is certainly something you don't see enough of. Yeah, teens look like teens and we dress differently and they actually have, they look yeah. different and faces are different and body shapes are faces different. Faces are different. And... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, 
it sounds like I would feel good about handing Ms. Marvel to anyone and being like, check this out if you want to find out what a comic book can be. Like, here's mm-hmm. a prime example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Any other uh, Marvel now to touch on? Um, no, other than taking credit for Storm when it comes out. Um, I, oh, we're we're going to take credit for that for quite a while. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm catching up on X Factor, which uh, has an interesting editorializing on Irishman Scott Card, actually. So I'm looking forward for you, for you to, to read it and jump in there. And, and Robots in Love. So. With, uh, yeah, so all new, I, I'm, I have my all new X Factor next to me. Um, that was actually the next thing that I was going to be reading um, of singles. So I will be caught up next week. We can, dis- okay. we can discuss some X Factor. Oh, we wanted to talk about the new TV shows, trailers, yes. and comics. Yeah. So, much like movies, uh, or so, right now uh, all the TV channels are uh, announcing and debuting their fall uh, schedule, what's being picked up for a series, or at least partial series. Um, the new um, fad that's going on is TV shows based off of comic books. Much like movies, um, comic books are going to be flooding the small screen as well. So um, coming back are three series that were based off of comic books, Arrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Walking Dead, uh, CW, ABC, and which owns whose parent company is Disney, which also owns Marvel, and then The Walking Dead's on AMC. So here's what's announced um, that we know is coming or is in development. You have The Walking Dead spinoff, but they haven't announced that that's going to be 2014 or 2015. Um, ABC has announced Agent Carter, which is going to be awesome. Um, spinoff from also the Marvel Universe. It's going to be a period piece uh, focused on uh, Peggy Carter, um, Captain America's, I don't know if you could call her, her his ex or whatever, uh, female lead spy mm-hmm. series. Awesome. CW, CW, eh, CW's got The Flash. Uh, Fox has got Gotham, uh, based off of Batman. Uh, CW also has iZombie, which is based off of the Vertigo series. Um, Constantine has been announced for NBC, which is the weirdest uh, combination of series and TV show. Uh, The Strain is out on FX, which is a Guillermo del Toro uh, book turned comic, uh, now turned TV series, so I'm putting that on the list. Clone has been announced, though, as being worked on for TV series, though it hasn't been announced when it's coming. Yeah, it's a a Skybound, which Robert Kirkman uh, series. Oh. yeah, it's, or it's Skybound, Robert Kirkman's company, but it's written by someone else. Um, it's about, like, a conspiracy government with this clone stuff. It's good comic. Um, it being done as a series should be kind of fascinating. Um, I can see people making a lot of Orphan Black comparisons to that one. Um, yeah. I also forgot, um, speaking of Robert Kirkman, you also have to see... Thief of Thieves, which is another series of his that he launched, is being um, worked on for AMC. Um, in, development by, in development by sci-fi, you've got Letter 44, which is the only series that I will praise uh, left and right. Uh, Ronin, which is really going back, is the Frank Miller series that was put out by DC. And then the one that shocked me that's 
could be freaking amazing is Pax Romana, which is a Jonathan Hickman series that came out through Image, which I I loved it. It's so freaking cool. Um, it's unknown if these are going to be series or like miniseries or movies, but they're being worked on by sci-fi. And then on top of all of that, you've got on Netflix, Daredevil, which they've announced that they're looking at it as a movie being broken up into uh, stories that will be tel- basically television stories. Um, and there's a rumor that it will be like all you consume, like a lot of the Netflix series. Um, uh, they're also working on Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and then all that will eventually turn into the Defenders, which may be a big screen movie. It might be a Netflix movie. We don't know. So altogether, that's something like 14 shows either guaranteed coming on TV or will eventually be on TV. Mm-hmm. That's a lot and of you TV. were saying you think it's entirely possible that next year the only things you will watch on TV will be superhero shows. Basically, yes. I'm more freaking out as... My joke is, between this, the the movies that are coming out, when the hell are we supposed to read the comics they're based off of? I know, right? <laughs> I, uh, I, I In preparation for this show, I watched the trailer for Gotham. Yes. And I we'll watched start with the Gotham. trailer. Mm-hmm. It could you... be good. Um, it's a prequel. And mm-hmm. the, the, the entire trailer is framed as before Batman, and before Catwoman, before Poison Ivy, before, and I kept thinking, like, before Watchmen, there was an ill-advised prequel series. Because <laughs> um, that's my association now with the word before, apparently. Right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, look, obviously the dates on it don't really add up, and we have to just decide not to care about that because that doesn't really matter. Like, obviously, you know, the, Gordon is too old in this for the Jim Gordon who then, but whatever. Like, that's not the point. Let it go. Let it go. Um, the I think that it's interesting to tell a story in which we actually know the conclusion and we're sort of working backwards mm-hmm. towards it. Um, I think that's an interesting constraint to put on the show. Um, I thought that there was a couple of actors in it who looked really... I mean, Jada, Jada Pinkett-Smith's clip was really strong. Um, yeah. I, I was, was... I mean, I don't think I've seen her in anything in forever, but I was very... was like, ooh, she's intense. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to cast little kids. I guess the little kid seems okay. The actor playing... Um, uh, the actor playing Gordon Gordon uh, is sort of bland to me, though. Um, so he, this is the interesting one on that. So the age is interesting. He needs to be a bit younger. He should actually be probably in his early 20s uh, for it to work up. Like they in the movies, it yep. was Gordon grabbing him, um, and they just made a much younger-looking Gary Oldman, um, and he was a beat cop. So him being a detective, he's got to be on the force for a couple of years, right? You just don't become a detective. Um, so the beat cop would have made more sense, but story-wise, it doesn't really make sense if you want to do a series the way they're probably going to do the series. Um, but as far as the, the the actor who, I'm again, I'm with you, I'm totally blanking on his name. Um, 
if you want the guy from the OC. Yeah, 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 that dude from the OC. If you actually want a series that he's really good in, watch Southland because he. If you said Mm -hmm. the dude from the OC, I would have been like, "There's no way he's going to play Gordon." But Southland, he was a cop too, and he was really freaking good in Southland. Southland is amazing as a series. Period. Um, If you haven't watched it, like everyone out there, go and watch this series. It's Reminds me a lot of like old school, really good cop series, um, like uh, mm. yeah, Hill Street Blues, that type of thing. But it's just a really. I was really excited to see Donald Logue. He was like, "Oh, that's real." Yeah, I actually couldn't quite tell he was cast as. Uh, it's it's Harvey Bullock. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm glad Bullock's can continues. That's great. But I guess <laughs> there's no agent. I guess there's no Renee Montoya though. No. No, that that's going to be the interesting to see is who else they bring in um, as the series go on. Because you'd hope that Renee Montoya would show up. But then again, like, she seems, in the comics, I always got a vibe that she was younger than Batman. Um, doesn't mean they have to stick to that, but I always kind of got a whole thing where she was fairly new to the Force, or at least younger on the Force. Whereas if Batman's, like, in his 30s, she would probably be in her 20s type of thing. Uh-huh. Um but who knows? They could always still split around. I think that'll be the fun thing to watch as to like who, um, who they bring in and how they bring in. And the only thing I'm nervous on is the whole the villains before they were villains aspect. Like it could just been you should just leave it to the Falcons and um, the Rise of Crime and Gotham, and then eventually how. Uh, the costumes came on, like, came into everything, but you could have just left it as, like, the cops versus Falcone and almost have, like, a Godfather versus police series and it would have been totally fine. Like, to throw in the Penguin and Riddler and, and Catwoman and supposedly they're going to lead into the Joker at some point is stretching it a little to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, also, like, did, did Joe Chill kill his parents? Was it the Joker? Like, I mean, yeah. whose version, or, you know... Is Joe Chill the Joker? Like, I mean, whose version are you going to uh, take? You really don't know. Yeah, and that'll be... It's going to be interesting. Like, the... Overall, I have high... I have high hope for it. Um, uh-huh. The, I think the budget's going to... I mean, it's Fox. Like, so Fox has... The deal, from my understanding, that uh, Fox has, as far as Batman... They have the rights to all the characters and to do whatever they want, basically. Um, so they've got a lot riding into this. I, I think Fox wants a hit. Like they, they're pairing it up with Sleepy Hollow on Monday, which is a good pairing that I, I think. Um, it's going to take the eight o'clock slot, which uh-huh. is again I think a good slot. Um, overall, like I, they need a hit. They need a, a solid hit out of it, and. Who, like a who hope I hope I have high hopes for this one. It's either going to be great or it's going to suck. I don't know which. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think it's interesting that they definitely are having a lot of really intentional diversity in the show. And I saw a lot of intentional diversity in like all the DC shows actually. Not as so, there could be, but like it's absolute effort in there. Meanwhile, in the comics, there's like none. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the comics, they're. They they can obviously can do a lot more. I think the only issue with the comics, which makes it slightly more difficult, is that you have these established characters. Like the point, if you want to make it diverse, was the reboot to the New Fifty Two, 
Um, like you should just been yeah. a, as we introduce new characters, they're going to be diverse. Um, the yeah. fact that it's been a few years into it, it just makes it much more difficult to write the ship. The fascinating thing on the diversity aspect is Fox actually has gone out and spoken, and I think we've quoted it, and said that diversity has helped their series, that the, one of the reasons that uh-huh. the Hollow is a hit is because it has such a diverse cast, um, that they are going out of their way to make this happen um, and make sure that um, it's, you know, the TV screen is as diverse as possible because they see the dollar signs and have seen yep. success to it. So, um, you know, Fox is rocking in that. And I, 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 I screw Fox normally, but this, you got to throw in props. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Being smarter than the publisher is. Yeah. Um, and, and so speak- what, let's talk about, I'm oh, sorry. I was about to say, and speaking of diversity, another TV series that seems to have uh, diversified the comic it's based off of, Constantine on NBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was your initial reaction to the... Some of the effects didn't look like they were quite done yet. And others <laughs> looked quite impressive. So yeah. I kind of wonder if like, maybe there's a lot of more finishing work to do that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, that was my general thought, too. Um, it, looks, it definitely looks better than the Keanu Reeves um, movie. It seems to be a bit more to the comic than... Anything else which is good. Um, I'm still thrown off the fact that he doesn't have a cigarette in his hand or hanging out of his mouth. I just assume uh, Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're modernizing it. I mean... I don't think you can show smoking on TV. Yes. I think you can still show smoking on TV. So long as the person be... later pays the price. Just kidding. That's the way it used to actually be in Hollywood. If you have anybody have sex, they have to like die basically afterwards. Um, in old Hollywood. Um... Actually, I'm looking at this cast list, and it's pretty white. I think I was thinking of the diversity for the new uh, Flash series. Yeah, that they've been doing, and they're doing a lot of uh, color changes for that, but also in the the Flash comic series, they're doing that. Um, Where Wally Wally West has been introduced into the new 52, and what was a character who was very white uh, is now not so white. Uh, (laughs) So that's a series where I think they are, are doing the whole we need, need to diversify and um, are making it happen. So uh, mm-hmm. the Flash, I expect it. Like I know I've seen a lot of the casting. I don't think I've seen like a cast photo, but um, I know they from some of the initial announcements that it was a pretty diverse cast. Um, Constantine, there's not tons of characters though. So you got Constantine, you've got the girl, mm-hmm. and then you've got the angel, who's the dude from Lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I was, Frank and I were talking, and it's like, we, we really know, we never really read Constantine. We know Constantine from Swamp Thing and from him showing up in other books, basically, so. Yeah, it's not, it's not, like, I, don't, I think the, the thing that would kill that show's diversity is the fact that there's just not that many characters. Right, right, right. right but right. you can't really, um, you know, blame the series for having, like, three characters. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're having a British guy. There um, we go. It's diverse because it was good a to have it be British. Yeah, it's good <laughs> that he's British. I think the show. I think that show could either be great or awful, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to checking it out because um, there were moments watching the trailer that I thought looked creepy and interesting, really quite interesting, and certainly quality production values and others that I just was like, 
guy, is this a CW show or what? Um, so I think it's kind of hard to say. It, so one, the Matt Ryan, who's playing um, John Constantine, uh, for the little that I've seen of it, he seems to get the smugness down and the arrogance down of the character really well. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you, out of the like three and a half minutes that we've seen, that that it comes off is a good sign. The thing that still throws me off is like this does not seem like an NBC show. Mm, it's true. Like AMC, That's sure. True. FX, sure. Maybe even Fox. NBC, not so much. Yeah, I don't know how to pull it off. Yeah, it's uh, a series. It'll be it'll be fascinating because I they announced that one will be on Fridays, which they kind of have as their um, uh, creepy like supernatural Fridays. Um, they had put Dracula mm. on it, and now Dracula's canceled, so that's not a good sign. Oh, it was Grim- canceled. Okay. Yes, Dracula's gone. Um, Grimm mm-hmm. is also on Fridays, but I could see Constantine being paired up with Grimm. Yeah, that would definitely work. I haven't seen Grimm. I just know what people put on Tumblr, but it sounds good to me. With the Flash show, it sounds like it's definitely like a continuation of their sort of CWU-oriented universe, but with um, a very decidedly diverse cast mm-hmm. and a more hard science fiction edge. So could be good. I don't know. I still, as you probably have heard, I've been avoiding Arrow because it has nothing to do with Green Arrow, but... Um, a friend of mine pointed out today, it's entirely possible that all of this non-Green Arrow stuff may be just getting the character to the point where he actually becomes the Green Arrow that we know and love. I um, I don't watch it because I watched the first season and the first season is horrible, but even the people who like it <laughs> now said the first season was horrible. So Yeah, a number of my friends said the first season. So told me, to don't even watch the first season, just watch season two. Yeah. Yeah, so I I might go and Netflix it and watch it over the summer so that I can start watching it uh, when it returns in the fall. Because everyone likes it. Like, it seems to be getting pretty big, uh, uh, some mad props. So, I mean, it, uh, I feel like I need to give it a shot and, and, and check it out again. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, the the one that I'm actually really looking forward to is The Strain, because I've read the comics, which is being done by Dark Horse, which looks awesome. Um, so that is on actually during the summer on FX. Should be really, really good. Um, other than that, like Agent Carter coming out on, on ABC is a bit shocking in that there was no um, announcement of a pilot. It just was, here's the series. Um, so there was rumors of it coming out, but there was no like signs that they were actually working on it. Um, so that's kind of awesome. And the fact that they have a TV series that's female-led, especially a spy series that's going to have a female lead, is going to be kind of awesome. Um, the mm-hmm. one- Absolutely. I think yeah. I have kind of a really big audience. Yeah, and the one I actually think is going to be fascinating will be iZombie, which is also a CW show based off the of Vertigo mm-hmm. series, which is another female lead series um, being written by Rob Thomas, who was behind um, Veronica Mars, 
and iZombie to me sounds like Veronica Mars with a zombie lead, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But uh, having not read the comic, I can't really tell you how much it stands out uh, from that. So that's the one I'm going to be really fascinated watching to see how it does on CW because it's like all the hallmarks of what should be a hit. Or at least a cult hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the sci-fi series, like, was... I, I can't wait. Letter 44 and Pax Romana is going to be awesome. Um, Ronan, I could care less. I didn't, actually didn't like the source material when I first read it. But yeah, no. it... There's going to be a lot of TV series for us to watch, <laughs> for everyone to watch. Like yeah, I know, I know. I'm going to have to not just watch cartoons. <laughs> so, I mean, Monday, Mondays we have Gotham that we know of. Tuesdays will probably be, still be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I think Agent Carter when that comes on. Uh, Wednesdays has Arrow, and I would think they would pa- uh, pair up the Flash with Arrow. Fridays is um, is Constantine. So now we've got to figure out when iZombie is. And if they put that on Thursday, we've got every single day of the week for at least one, uh, other than Saturday, would have a comic book TV show on. Because hmm. Fridays is walk, or Sundays is Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've taken over, clearly. Yeah. The nerds have won. Everyone give up. The nerds have oh, won. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Especially us, because there's not going to be Storm number one. Uh, so going back to um, character design. Um, oh, yeah. We, we've got a response back on Twitter, and we probably should throw props as to who came up with these characters for Elektra. Um, Hayden Blackman yeah. responded to your tweet. Um, he did? Uh, yes? Did you not see it yet? I, I said, yes, he did. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I thought I was like, he did, like a question. Uh, so the character, let's see here, the props to, at Dudley Mike, who Dudley is Mike, who's the Del, Del Mundo. Who I yeah, who I, Del I, didn't, Mundo. I didn't know his handle, so I'm glad that he tagged him, because I would have written it to him if I had seen it. Yeah, uh, so he did the design, and then Zeb Wells was the idea of an aboriginal assassin. Yeah. Overall, nice, nice job, everyone. Mad props to them. Yeah, for real. And I um, I I I actually I was like to Mike. I said, is it, I asked Mike the question, "Is it his face? Is it paint? I don't <laughs> tell me or don't tell me. I don't know." Ah, because <laughs> like, I really I'm so haunted by that image and that shape, that 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 the missing nose shape. See, I'm going with paint, but I could be wrong. I'm sure I'm wrong. I just assumed it was paint. It's face should be a haunted void. Think about it. I'm going to have to go back, like, I'm going to have to go and pull out the issue and just stare at the stuff to try to figure it out now. Because I'm much more, yeah, I'm much more story than the images, um, though the images sometimes jump out to me. So this is something I'm going to need to go back and and (laughs) check out and compare. And obviously read slower and pay more attention to the art. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so I think we covered everything we wanted. Any other topics mm-hmm. you want to hit, or are we good for this episode? I think we're good. All right, cool. Well, that is uh, wrapping up another episode of Graphic Policy Radio. You can catch us 
every day at graphicpolicy.com. You can hear us uh, or check in on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc., all at Graphic Policy. We keep it consistent across the place. So, uh, <laughs> what a shot keeping it consistent. Um, as always, thank you for listening. You can catch us uh, hopefully next week on a new episode. And thank you, Alana, for joining me as always. It's been fun. So, until next, until next week, I'm Brett. And I'm Alana. Have a geeky week and keep on reading. <laughs>